we had a really neat week this past week. We, like Aaron said, we had a church camp over in Muscatine, and um, we do send, I know this church is involved some with Eastern Iowa Bible Camp, and, and we are, some of our kids are just starting to go to Eastern Iowa Bible Camp, um, but there's also, we've been pretty involved in this camp in Muscatine, about, about 60 kids, and had the opportunity to be the camp pastor there this past week, and what was really cool was having my two oldest kids there as counselors, and it felt like this huge, you know, family effort, and what was even cooler than that was on Thursday evening just watching as we kind of closed the service down after about an hour-long service, and, and literally watching um, like a revival just kind of broke out, and, and these camp kids just kept singing, and they kept singing, and while they were singing, it was like the Holy Spirit just began to move, and, and, and one after another, they kept coming either to me or to their counselors and saying, I need to get saved. I need to give, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. And, um, and it was just something that only the Spirit of God can do in, in that moment, just dealing with, pers- with some of their sin issues and, and um, saw siblings going to each other and asking for forgiveness for things. And... That service ended at 11.30 at night, and um, we still had to pack sound up and everything, and I am feeling amazingly good in spite of all of that. I feel pretty decent, so anyway. All right, open your Bibles um, to Matthew chapter 14. There is a very familiar story there, but I want to pull some truths from it, and it's just some stuff that God has been working in my own heart and life with, and, and I've just been drawn to this story over and over. So if we could go ahead and get the text up on the screen, titled this morning's message, Called to Care, because we really are, aren't we? We are called to care. But everybody cares, don't they? They care about something. I've never met anybody that didn't care about something. So just being called to care is not necessarily enough. It has to do with what we care about, the object of the things that are important to us. So here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 14. Here's the context. John the Baptist has just been executed, Jesus' first cousin or a cousin, and it appears that they had at least some interaction as kids. They certainly did as they were developing ministry. And Jesus, it says, heard that John the Baptist had been executed. Verse 12 is before the text. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. But, it, but the last thing it says in verse 12 is that they went and told Jesus. John's disciples went and told Jesus. Verse 13 I'm reading out of the ESV. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, a blessing. 
Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Most of the time, when you and I read this story, we are drawn to the sensational part of the story, and that is that he fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish, and that is an amazing story. It's one of the two massive feedings that Jesus did. There was another case where he fed 4,000. I think you were working through the book of Mark, so you're aware of that. I think Mark records both of those cases. This is one of, the restore, one of the stories that is recorded repeatedly in the Gospels. And there is something amazing and sort of sensational about it. Sensational enough that I, I really, really wish I could have been there that day. I wish I could have seen it happen because I have questions. I have questions about, so what did this look like? I mean, was it the kind of thing where you just kind of keep reaching in the basket and keep handing it out and keep reaching in the basket and keep handing it out and it's just there? Um, was, uh, could you actually see it appearing out of thin air? I mean, there's a lot of details that it doesn't really give, and so we're just kind of left to speculate. But there's something that, that is recorded repeatedly through this story in the Gospels is that Jesus was moved with compassion. It wasn't like the sense of obligation as much as it was a deep compassion that moved his hands and his feet, and his next actions that he took. The compassion of Christ is something that, that marked his ministry and that actually made people want to be around him. They were drawn to him because of his compassion. He is so much more than just a religious leader. I mean, through history, we have known religious leaders, haven't we? And they have not all been marked by compassion. Some of them have been marked by strong leadership and, and you know, the ability to create large followings. But you can do that without compassion. It's easy to build empires. I don't know if it's easy, but it is possible to build empires and have no compassion. But that's not the way Christ led. Over and over through his ministry, people are drawn to him as a leader, as a rabbi, as they saw him, who had deep compassion. Confusing at times? Absolutely. Um, frustratingly confusing at times. And yet deep compassion for people. And you know all the stories. I mean, the stories go all the way from, you know, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the, the man laying beside the pool, people who were the recipients of his compassion. If you were a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you've also been a recipient of his compassion. I have been a recipient of his compassion. That God in his grace looked down through history and extended forgiveness and salvation to even me and even you. It's amazing. I did nothing to earn it. It wasn't like God was saying, you know, somewhere down through history, there's a guy named Floyd, and boy, I sure hope. 
I hope he, I hope he joins my family because we'd be a lot better off with him. Wasn't like that at all. Had nothing to earn it. Dead in my sins. And in compassion, he reached out to me. And if you're here this morning and you've experienced the grace of God and, and the salvation that he offers, you are also a recipient of his compassion. And in a lot, of re- a lot of ways, that's why you're here. But those of us who have received it then are called to model it and to take it to the world around us. Jesus had this rhythm of his ministry. And, you know, for years I read the Gospels, and I didn't really see this come out. And quite honestly, it was largely to the influ- because of the influence of the 6-4 Fellowship that I began to see some of this sort of pop out of Jesus' ministry. And that is that he would withdraw and pray, and out of his praying he would be moved with compassion and he would minister. And from his ministry he would find the need to go back and pray. And from his prayer he would be moved with compassion. And it was like, it was like there was just a constant cycle that was... He would go talk to people about God, and then he would go talk to God about people, and then he would talk to people about God, and then he'd talk to God about people. And isn't that the way we're called to live? Is, Is in that constant rhythm of life where there is prayer, and out of the time spent with God, that we are moved with compassion for the people around us, and... Out of those times with the people around us, we find ourselves in desperate need of the grace and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, so we come back and we spend time back with God, and because we spend time with God, we are moved with compassion for the people around us. So let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about Christian compassion. I've got, I've got three things that I, that I want to just talk about, about this issue of compassion those of us who have received it we extend it first one christian compassion you've got to have a surrendered schedule think about how this story starts out jesus has just heard that john the baptist has been executed in in the cruelest fashion and if you've ever lost somebody was really really important to you you know that in those next moments, you are not thinking, how can I serve the masses? You're thinking, I need help. I need help. And, um, and, and some of those moments are, are where emotionally you're just, just kind of shattered and, and you're just trying to grapple with it, especially some of those sudden ones. Uh, we just had one not quite a year ago. Um, close friend of our kids, and you know, one of those kids had been in and out of our house all the time, eating our food. Um, was just gone in an in, in an instant, in an accident, and um, you're just trying to you're just trying to grapple with this. You know, he was just so so alive one minute and and not the next, and and what, how do you sort through that? And we were trying to help our kids work through it, and. And, um, and we still are, by the way. I mean, it's not, not quite a year later, and we're still working through some of the grieving of that. And, and I'm just more aware than ever before that, that the context is just unusual, that, that the, the largest feeding that Jesus did, the most amount of people that he impacted in one instant 
happens directly on the heels of his grief for his friend. And if you and I are going to make any difference in the world around us, if you and I are going to, are going to respond with compassion to the world around us, we have to surrender our day planners. We have to surrender our schedules. Because I, if you're like I am, you got things to do. you got places to go and people to see. And any given day, that is my life. Aaron told you I'm bivocational. Hopefully, that's not permanent. Um, but, uh, but, but on any given day, the schedule, I've got things to do and place to go and people to see. Got to keep moving. And I don't have time for interruptions. And I certainly don't have time for interruptions that are needy. You know, with, with like, I really need help right now. And well, what do we do with that? Well, what we typically do with that is we say, no. And sometimes, no is necessary. Sometimes it's the most spiritual thing we can say. But oftentimes the no's come out of this deep, self-centered, I am in control of my life, and I'm blind to the needs around me because I only see my own personal agenda. I was, I was blessed as a, as a kid to grow up with a, with a grandfather who was a pastor of the church that I grew up in. Now, Aaron told you I'm from Kelowna, um, so if you've hung around eastern Iowa very long, you know that Kelowna is full of Amish and Mennonites, right? And, um, and my grandfather was, was one of those, he was first generation from having sort of left the Amish, and, um, and, he, and he still looked Amish. And, uh, and I worked with him. Um, and we lived in this little town of Decatur, Iowa, down in south central Iowa, about 180 people. And, and I watched my grandfather love the people of his town in such an unusual way. I, I couldn't think of one man in that entire town that my grandfather had not had a conversation with about his soul. And um, he just had a deep love for the gospel, even, in, you know, even though he'd come from kind of a very religious tradition. And, um, and I, would watch, I would watch people interrupt his schedule daily just to talk. And sometimes all they even wanted to talk about was the weather and the price of cattle. But they wanted to talk. And he'd, he'd lay down his tools, and he would give them his full attention, and they would talk. And I think, man, we, we have more to do now, right? I mean, that was back in the early 80s. We didn't have as much to do back then. <laughs> we got more to do. No. We don't. We've still got 24 hours in a day. We're going to have to sleep some of that time. And the times when we're awake are, are critical that God has complete access to every waking minute of my life to do with it whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to put somebody in our path, that just needs a word of encouragement, then he can do that. The question is, do you let him? Is he allowed to? 
Have you given God the permission to take your schedule and do with it whatever he wants and bring people into your life that he wants to bring into your life? Do you wake up in the morning with a, with a surrendered schedule where it is God, direct my steps today? Brings me to the second one. In order to have Christian compassion, you have to have spiritual sight. Jesus saw something that his disciples didn't see, didn't he? And you and I do too. We, we can see in the physical realm and we get very short-sighted. We get this tunnel vision and we don't see people the way God sees them. One of the prayers that has literally changed my own heart and my own life has been I have often begun to pray, in the last, especially in the last five years, Lord, help me to see people the way you see them and feel about them the way you feel about them. And it is uncanny. It's, it's actually um, a little unnerving what begins to happen. And the people that suddenly I begin to feel this sense of compassion for and this stirring to go have a conversation with them or to open my door up and have a conversation with them and begin to see people differently. And we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. Paul talked about praying in Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would understand the knowledge and the hope of your calling. And he talks about all the things that would happen when their eyes would be enlightened, when the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. And don't we need that in our days for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened so that we not only understand the holiness and the, and the grace of God, but that we also understand the hope of our calling and the future that awaits us and what it is that God has for us today. Because if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't open the eyes of our heart, we go through our days and we are blind to the people and the needs around us. I remember in our little town there in Kelowna, we have a subway, and there was a guy working in the subway, and, and I remember going in there different times, and I was so judgmental of this guy because he just looked like somebody who was going nowhere with life and had lived a pretty rough life. And I, and I just remember thinking, dude, I think you could get a better job than Subway and making sandwiches. And I, I, was, I don't know why. I was just kind of judgmental of him. And then I heard his story one day, and, and his story was when he was like six years old. His dad woke him up in the middle of the night. They went to one of his friend's place. They took his friend out of her house, little, little girl, took her out of her house. His dad molested that girl and murdered her and made him help bury the, little, bury the body. And he had to take the police to where the body was. And all of a sudden, I wasn't as judgmental of him as, as I had been. And then I was really ashamed of myself. I'm sitting there saying, Floyd, what is wrong with you that you had to hear a horrific story about someone just to feel compassion for them? What's wrong with me that I had needed to hear something like that in order to feel that sense of compassion to see somebody differently because I was looking at it with physical eyes. We ought to be praying, Lord, open our eyes to the needs around us. Give me that spiritual sight, that ability to see people the way you see them and feel about them the way you feel about them. Lastly, shared salvation. Jesus, Jesus shares a miracle with them, and he met their physical needs. And in order to kind of unpack this, and just for the sake of time, we're not going to go there necessarily, but I just want to talk about what happened 
immediately following this miracle the next day, and you read about it in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, it talks about the feeding of the 5,000, same event, but then it starts to unpack what happened the next day. And it says the next day, he by then was on the other side of the sea, and people followed him there, and, and the crowd starts following him. Well, of course they followed him. They'd gotten free lunch the day before. If I could make $5 bills rain out of the ceiling, you would follow me to Kelowna. I know you would. And so people followed him, and and they're saying, so what are you doing today? And Jesus says, I know why you're here. You're here because of the free bread. He says, don't do that. Don't just pursue physical needs. This is the Floyd Utsi translation, kind of. Um, he says, don't labor for the bread that passes away. That's the real translation. Like, well, okay, then what? And he began to talk to them. He said things like, I am the bread of life. People who come to me will never hunger or thirst. And their eyes light up, and they're like, oh, give us that one. Give us that kind of bread. We'll take it. He said, no, you don't understand. He says, you will have to eat of my body and drink of my blood in order to really be satisfied. And they're saying, they get this confused look on their face. They're trying to figure this out. Like, what in the world is he talking about? eating of his body and drinking of his blood. And, and he did clarify it for them. He says, the words that I speak to you are spirit. He said, you are thinking in physical terms. He said, I'm telling you spiritually, I can satisfy the desires and the needs of your heart. Now, do, not, do we not live in a world that is constantly driven by their desires and they idolize their desires? trying to satisfy a deep hunger within them that only Jesus can fill. And Jesus understood that those people who stood, stood in front of him, the, those who had followed him the other side of the sea, they were driven by their fleshly hunger and their deepest need was to be filled spiritually with the Spirit of God. And so he says, I could feed you but you need to understand what your deepest need is. The, the salvation, the grace of God, is our culture's deepest need. We can do lunch programs all day long, and I am in favor of them. But if we have not ministered to the sin issue, to the need to be restored to the Creator God through Jesus Christ and the work on the cross, we have missed people's deepest needs. I come from a denominational tra- tradition that, that did a lot of work in meeting humanitarian needs. Good stuff. But we're often timid with sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and meeting people's deepest need. And if our compassion is so short-sighted that all we can think about is physical bread, We're missing something. We're missing their deepest need. And we will create constantly hungry people. 
create situations where there is a, it's like a giant black hole that you could keep throwing stuff in and it'll just keep disappearing. But there is, there is a, a need of the heart to know that I am loved, to know that I am forgiven, to know that I am fully known and fully loved by Christ. Who else gets that? Where else are you going to find that? Anywhere to be fully known and fully loved outside of Jesus Christ. For the most part, we, try to, we, try, we work hard not to let ourselves be fully known because we know we won't be fully loved if we are fully known. But Christ offers this amazing opportunity. He says, come, tell me everything about yourself. He already knows it anyway. And he offers the good news that we can be accepted and restored and made right with God. I want to bring this to a close. We'll go ahead and invite the worship team up. At the end of John chapter 6, Jesus says this, or this is what happened. It says that people were so offended by what he said that it says many of them no longer walked with him after that day. I don't know if you've ever caught that or not, but it says that, it says that many of them were so offended by his news. This was the crowd of people who had just eaten the bread. They had been the recipients of his compassion. They had received his compassion, and they had even heard him try to expound this. And, it, and they were so offended by that that they turned around and they walked away. And he turns around, he looks at his disciples, he said, are you guys leaving too? And Jesus says, where else are we going to go? He says, you have the words of life. And if you look at those guys who stayed, the ones who stayed, they changed the course of history. And we will too if we stay. If you and I will stay, and if we will understand the deep need of the culture around us, the deep need of the people around us, and minister to that need, we can change the course of history with it by that compassion. So how are you doing today? You may be here and you're like, man, I just need the compassion. <laughs> I, I need it right now. Well, we do, but we need to give it away too. And there's something deep, deeply healthy. There's something deeply healing that God does as we serve and give and care for those around us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much um, that you have fed us that you've, that you've delivered us from sin and that you have fed us with, with the spiritual bread. And Lord, thank you that, that you have satisfied that deep, deep longing in my own heart and in the hearts of these dear people here to be fully known and fully loved and restored to you. So thank you, Jesus. And Lord, change, change our hearts where we're selfish Forgive us for being so short-sighted. Open the eyes of our heart and help us to see people the way you see them, and to feel about them the way you feel about them. Use us, Lord, to change not only history, but to affect eternity. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.